Hey everyone, welcome to the Student Ministry Conversation Podcast with your hosts, Russell Martin and Brent Aiken. We are glad you're joining us today and we hope that you find this conversation helpful, insightful, and encouraging as you continue to lead your students in ministry. Just quickly, we want to remind you about our social media, Talk Student Men uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And also website is studentministryconversations.org. Today, Brent's going to sit down with Kurt Libby uh, and share a little bit about infrastructure and youth ministry. So Brent, this was your conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so I sit down with Kurt and um, Kurt has been in the youth ministry game for a while. And he's also pretty well known for coming up with a app that a lot of youth ministries use called MinHub or the MinHub app. And now there's MinHub Youth, MinHub Kids, Modem College, um, MinHub Small Groups, all kinds of stuff. And so um, we sit down and talk with Kurt about basically, um, I think one of the most important things administratively that you can do as a youth ministry leader, um, and that is have some sort of infrastructure in your youth ministry, whether that be taking attendance or whether that be organizing leadership and developing leaders on as they develop the students that they're in charge of. Um, all of that has to have a plan. And as you expect to grow in your ministry, you have to have a step ahead or a couple steps ahead of where you think that you're going to be so you can be planned and ready to go when that growth hits. And so it was a great conversation and I had a lot of fun with it. Awesome. Uh, I think that's something that would be great for no matter whether you're in youth or adult or children or whatever. Um, so without any more delay, here is Brent's conversation with Kurt Libby. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, welcome back to Student Ministry Conversations. Today, our guest is Kurt Libby. Um, Kurt has been around the youth ministry game for a little while now. He has done some pretty amazing things in the process. And so I'm going to let him explain who he is to you just a little bit and let you kind of talk about what, uh, what you got going on. Sure. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I am an ordained Nazarene pastor, uh, got ordained in, oh, shoot, I don't remember now. Uh, but I, so I went into full-time ministry in 2007 or eight. Um, so a little while ago, uh, I was actually a public school teacher and there was a shooting at our school and, uh, there was like a situation with a kid that I can't go into all the details. It wasn't all disclosed, but anyway, it was like a revenge situation where the kid ended up trying to kill another kid. Um, and by God's grace, that other kid had the flu that day or something like didn't come to school. And so we were supposed to like try to figure out after this whole crazy hostage situation, this kid got talked down by the SWAT team and we were trying to figure out how to help these kids and make sure that nothing like this happened again. And, uh, and I was like, I, we can't do this without talking about Jesus. Like at some point we just have to talk about forgiveness. And uh, it was just, um, so anyway, that was, that was my uh, kind of call into ministry and working through that. And then I was, so I was in a town called Orville, California and um, worked in um, youth ministry and helped run a youth center that we had kind of given to the town. Um, There's pretty cool story about a guy that came before me that was uh, just wanted to reach kids that um, were not in church in any way. And, uh, and then, um, yeah, spent, uh, I don't remember now, probably about 10 years in one form or another in youth ministry. Um, and then uh, right now I'm currently in a tent making 
phase of ministry where I'm working a, a job in the marketplace and I was filling pulpits until the pandemic started. And then I preached one time in an empty room and somebody else's empty sanctuary live to a camera and was like, there's no reason to be doing this. So anyway, I am, uh, I'm currently working on software and marketing and iOS development, Android development and, uh, and writing and filling pulpits on the side as well. And so I was speaking at colleges, doing training, stuff like that. But, uh, most of that has been put on hold until, uh, things get back to normal. So in some way. Sure. Yeah. Uh, And so I do, uh, I mean, I definitely sense it kind of revolves around youth ministry and ministries in general. I do want to mention MinHub for a second, but that will not be the primary uh, topic that we cover today. But um, Kurt also developed something that is used in ministries pretty much everywhere called MinHub. Um, Tell us a little bit just about that real quick. uh, Yeah. So we had a a, uh, lot of kids showing up and trying to manage that, who those kids were and through a spreadsheet and I had an intern that was just trying to keep track of stuff. And it was like, man, this is, this is really hard. I had a student that had come through my ministry that needed to do a senior project for app development. And I was like, I got an idea. And so we made a, a student ministry um, attendance app, but then you could like use that attendance data to message kids. And um, so you could say uh, the, the biggest idea was like, I wanted to, during the youth ministry event, I wanted to just focus on the kids that were there. Problem was, was that I just kept thinking about all the kids that weren't there and I want, and wondering why they aren't there. And, but I knew if I had a good system that I could focus on the kids that are in the room. And then as soon as it's over, figure out exactly who should have been there and go and connect with them. And so that was really the impetus behind it was just create a, a mobile phone system where we could check kids in, track who was there and then really easily be able to send the right text to the right kids. So you could say, create a filter that's like, I want to see a group of all the kids that usually come on Sundays, but haven't been on a Wednesday in the last month. And then it's like, hey, I saw that you've been here on Sundays. And you could go and figure out who those kids are, but it's a lot easier if you got if you got something tracking it. So there's now a MinHub College, MinHub Kids, and a MinHub Groups, one for small groups as well, and MinHub Portal that kind of kind of like a slack for your ministry that helps you do a similar thing where you can connect with all those people um, and uh, send announcements, RCPs for events, track uh, ministry accounts. If you're doing like fundraising, stuff like that. So it's, it's got a ton of stuff in it. So anyway, and, and the, the whole goal is to keep it cheap for ministries. So uh, it's, um, it's pretty uh, low price and uh, does not pay all my bills, but hopefully it's helping people in ministry. So. Cool. Well, we will definitely let you kind of, plug at the end of this where they can um, find that and um, how they can kind of pursue that if that's something that they um, would need for their ministries. But yeah, kind of to tangent, though, I kind of brought that up at the beginning, because it's very much what we're talking about um, in our podcast today. And that is infrastructure, the need for infrastructure, the need for systems in place to kind of, um, I guess, hit the ground running or to not get overwhelmed. Uh, There's two very different sides of that coin. And so why is infrastructure so important? Yeah, uh, 
So I think that every ministry on some level does this and in different phases at different times with different, different intensity, but we pray for revival. We pray for growth. And, um, and if you've talked to anybody that has seen that happen, it gets really difficult really quickly. And uh, um, so um, just meaning that like, if you could even imagine your ministry, whatever it is, if next week you just doubled in size, you'd be like, oh yeah, cool. We doubled in size. But then like the next week you doubled again and the next week you doubled again. Within a month, you're running way more people than you know how to handle. And uh, which means you've got every ministry has their problems as well of, you know, trying to keep kids on track or there's just some unruly kids and you you're multiplying all those as well. So it's, uh, uh, having some sort of structure in place. Um, it, it, I think what you're doing is you're preparing for growth. It's like, there's a, there's always the potential that a wave can come, but are you actually in a place where you can stand up and ride the wave? That's what infrastructure is doing for you. It's you're learning the where to stand on the surfboard and uh, all these types of things so that once the wave comes, you're actually ready to move with it and you don't miss that uh, uh, move of God that, that might be coming your way. So, yeah. So you talked about infrastructure as like these systems you have in place. What are some of those systems? Yeah. So one of them for sure is going to be tracking kids and, and then their parents and figuring out how you communicate with all of them. Um, because, as if things are going to grow, you your methods of communication can't be stand at the door and connect with every mom that shows up or dad or whatever. It's like they just it, those things don't scale. Um, and uh, similarly, um, you you can only you as a youth pastor can only disciple so many kids. It's just that's we are human, <laughs> and uh, and so we you have to become a leader of leaders if you're going to scale in any way. And you, which means replicating yourself, replicating your, your, knowing your ideals, knowing your philosophy of ministry, knowing the, or creating systems about how you help kids begin to follow Jesus, grow deeper with Jesus, uh, begin to discover their gifting, begin to apply those gifts, like those types of things and those types of developing those things as students, you could do one-on-one all day, but if you have, 35 students and then 70 students and 140 students and then 280 students, you've got to be training other adults that care about these kids on how to do that stuff. Otherwise that growth, you're going to have a lot of kids show up on a Wednesday night, but there's no way that they're actually going to move down a path because there's not enough connections with other people to know Jesus. And if we've learned anything in youth ministry over the years is that programs are great and they're really fun. But if you're going to, take kids on a path where they're going to grow deep with Jesus. They got to be connected with other people that are deep with Jesus. That just has to happen. It's not, it's never going to happen one to many where just somebody stands on a stage and everybody else then just like learns how to follow Jesus. And now we're good. It's got to be, this is the same reason why in big church, we break it up into small groups. It's because you can't just show up on Sunday and then expect to grow. You have to have that life to life ministry. So, um, so creating those structures where you're training volunteers, figuring out what you need to train them on, how you keep track of them, how you, like you start to disciple your volunteers who they're then discipling people. And then when they have issues, how does that get back to you? Cause they're not seminary trained. Like there's all these systems and places that could go wrong that you as a youth pastor, you just think on the fly. You're just like, uh, like, Oh, the situation comes up because this kid called or this, uh, or somebody stayed late after youth. Like, and you know, because you've dealt with this or you've, you've figured out how to, 
deal with these situations. But if you're empowering volunteers, stuff could go sideways all over the place. And you got to have those kind of feedback loops and ways to communicate and ways to train people that, uh, again, if, if you're not preparing those things ahead of time, if growth happens, um, it's really, really difficult to, you, you could just totally miss the wave, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's not even something that necessarily has to be like dangerous, like, or destructive things towards the group when it grows. The other thing with it is like, you have to teach your volunteers how to be comfortable in leading people to Christ. That's not something that comes normally. Um, That's something that is walked through with practice. You have to teach your leaders how to have those conversations and how to maybe not have the right answers, but know where to look to find answers or know that they can come to you for those answers to be um, given. And so there's, there's a lot of stuff as far as the infrastructure, like you're saying, that is really, really good. And it's not that it's really a task for you because you're experienced in it, hopefully, or you will be experienced over time, but you can't expect a volunteer to walk off the street and know how to run a youth ministry. That's your job, but you can train everybody around you. So that's great. Um, So for the youth pastors that are currently in this growth stage, because we've all experienced it in one shape or form, either you have a small group of like five or 10 and one kid decides to bring five friends one night and it doubles the size of your group, or um, you've been going for a while and everything's just going and your group just starts growing um, organically whatever that we've all kind of experienced these growth stages. How um, can you develop this infrastructure quickly if you don't have one in place? Yeah, I would say really quickly, you have to realize that whatever got you here is not going to get you there. And so like uh, the, um, if you can just let go of some things that worked in the past, that's the best way to then say, okay, what do we need going forward? Because so for instance, when we opened a youth center, we had an idea of what might happen. um, But it was like one of those small town youth centers where there wasn't anything to do. And so it blew us out of the water. We had a wait line outside this youth center every day where we were at capacity and we could only let kids in. And then every single night we were adjusting the structure. It was like, what we're going to do this now. Okay, now we're going to do this. And every single day we had to change it. And I think that uh, if you get into the mode of like, well, I've got a newsletter or I've got, you know, I've got a text plan or I've got, um, you know, like everybody knows what we do for camp. Like whatever those things are, like you, you just have to realize that in any sort of growth stage, just get rid of anything that you've, that has come before and just be like, okay, there's a there's a great story. I think it's from In Good to Great uh, by Jim Collins, but it, I think it's IBM, one of these board of directors where they literally fire themselves. They walk outside and then they rehire themselves. And they're like, what do we have with, with what we have now? How do we move forward? And I think that's like one of the greatest questions that you can ask, because if you're looking at like, okay, these are the next three weeks, three months, three years, and I got to forget everything behind me. What are the things that I need to make sure that everything gets communicated from here on out with this group of kids? Because the things that I created for the group of kids six months ago, it's different. Everything's moved and just be okay with that. Just be okay with like what I made for that time is done. It was good. It served its purpose, but we're going to get rid of that and we're going to move forward. And I think what most of us do is we just hope that the old system will work 
for the new phase and it just doesn't it just won't won't work across there's also a really great document by tim keller about church size dynamics if you just look up the pdf you could probably find it you guys could probably put it in the show notes but uh it's a free pdf that he created it's really great that talks talks about how there's no uh in church size dynamics there's it's really any sort of grouping dynamics but like there's no morality of group size. It's not like a small group is bad and a large group is good. He argues that that when large groups act small or small groups act large, that's when it starts to get difficult. And so a small group needs to act like a small group. And then there gets to be this phase where all of a sudden you get up against these constraints. And unless everything starts to adjust into the next structure, there's no you're just going to keep hitting a lid over and over again. But if you can adjust and you can move, then you have a bunch of room to grow before you get to the next one. And so following those, these leaders that have gone before us that have like bumped up against all these ceilings before, like they're, they're very natural. Um, the bumping up against around 25 to 30, then bumping up against that uh, 100 to 120. Like these are very normal ceilings where all of a sudden you just can't grow unless everything changes again. And so I think looking at that type of stuff and then being willing to just say, you know, that was great, what we're done with that. And we got to move on to something else. Um, people will hate it. It will be really hard, but it's the, it's, if you want to grow and you want to multiply what you're doing in ministry to more people, you've got to just embrace the fact that systems are going to change over time. Well, and regardless of what situation or circumstances you're in, there's a reason they call it growing pains. Like, (laughs) I mean, you're not going to like be successful and growing without a few problems and a few issues. And so finding those ways that you can do that is great. Um, Super, super good stuff. And so um, we talked about the ones that are currently in this growth stage but there's always the other side of the coin. There's always the group. Maybe you just started, maybe you're um, starting in a group of five to 10 or 20 or whatever, and you have hopes and you have goals for the future saying, I'm going to take this group of 20 to a hundred. How do you, what would you recommend as far as, I guess, setting the foundation for that growth? Is there a particular way you would start? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is, I would hopefully, I would hope that this is like just happening anyway, but like having a really solid vision of just like, this is where we're going like that and understand and being able to just say that over and over and over and over again. Um, You know, if if you're like, we're going to reach our campus or we're going to reach our city or our neighborhood, or we're going to reach all the kids that like this type of thing, whatever the thing is, whatever the vision is that you're not just this growth typically happens in youth groups in two different ways, right? It's either parents from churches from the church that bring their kids so you just have growth going on at the church and so naturally the youth group grows along with it or there's some missional outreach that the teens are actually doing that helps those are the two ways that that it grows and so um i think that you know you could totally if your church is in a growth phase or looking to grow in a way where you're just going to glean a bunch of that stuff i'd say start right now with systems of volunteers because you've got it's not just you. There's this whole team of people probably in other ministries that are helping and all these resources helping get into a growth stage where you're just going to reap the benefits of that. And also looking at your feeder ministries, like the children's ministry that's sending you kids, if it's bursting at the seams, you better be ready for the next, for, for the next 
two or three years, like as those kids start coming up and working on those transition plans. Um, if there's that, I went through a season where uh, we, I had, uh, so like um, graduation weekend, uh, the end of the end of the uh, May, beginning of June, when graduation happens, literally 20 to 30 graduation parties, just because there's all these kids that are graduating. And then realizing that like the sixth graders that are graduating in, there's like three. It was like, there was just this lull. And it's where our church was, where there were all these adults that were in a certain age stage and they all went through together. So their teens went through together, but then there was a giant gap. So it's kind of trying to pay attention to what's going on in your church. And if there's something coming or, or there's a big campaign that's, that's happening, getting those volunteers, getting your systems in place, like get ready, <laughs> prepare, prepare your people for like, Hey, growth is coming. It's almost like, um, Elijah that like sees the cloud, the size of a fist is just like, come on, it's, it's happening. Like the rain is coming. Like if you know that it's coming, make sure that you're preparing. The other side is if it's this missional idea of like, you're going to be able to reach these kids. Um, I, that's just training kids and all training people really in all the, the mechanism of evangelism and in multiplying your own self or your, your, your ministry philosophy in any way that you actually get to work with these kids. So in that sense, I would say you, you're never guaranteed growth at all, uh, but you hopefully have a really strong finger on the pulse of what's going on in that effort. And so you can probably feel that coming and set that stuff up. Whereas if it's a whole church thing, I mean, that stuff, that stuff can, can hit you from both ways. You could have a gigantic drop off in ministry or a huge windfall in the amount of kids that come in. And uh, you just got to be paying attention both ways. Um, so uh, I don't know if that even answered your question. No, yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. And I mean, it kind of falls back to the, uh, you've probably heard this in sermon illustrations before, but the tale of two farmers, where they're both out like ready for their crops. They both pray. One just sits there and does nothing. And the other one prays, but then goes and prepares the field for the rain that's coming. It's, it's the mindset of like, if you're genuinely asking God to like grow your ministry, or if you genuinely see that like over the next couple of years through the growth of your group, you have all this, all these kids coming into your program and you're, and you're not losing many um, in the process you have to have those like preparation moments. You have to have those meetings with your leaders to where it's like, Hey, uh, like for instance, in our church, we're losing um, two fairly active seniors this year and we're picking up 13 sixth graders that are active. And so it's like, Oh, all right, we, we have to do this. And okay. Sixth grade meets in their own small group. So, but 16 uh, like 13, sixth graders is rather a big crowd for sixth grade. So do we need to make two small groups for sixth grade next year? What about seventh and eighth grade? Do we have sets and structure to where we can actually monitor and keep up with that many seventh and eighth graders together? What's the group behind them that are going to be fifth graders this year? Cause they'll be in seventh and eighth grade together. Um, and you have to kind of go through all these what ifs and you have to answer all these scenarios and questions if you genuinely want that infrastructure in place. And so that's good. A lot of it is just sitting back and saying, why, why, like what, what happens yeah. if we do this? What happens if we do this? What happens if like we get to next year and like 
there's no kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, so, there's always so, this nature. So this, like, that's that's the idea of being a pastor, though, is this cultivation and being able to have your finger on the pulse of it. Because, like, so you, for instance, and, and everybody can do this in their ministry, but as you start paying attention and you're really aware of, like, as weird as it is, like the weather systems, the soil, the like, the is it, are we in a drought? Are we like, what are the other things that like, th- there's all this stuff that's going into the whole system, the climate of what could produce a crop. So when you look at these sixth graders, and you may have had these great student leaders before, you could have these sixth graders that are coming in that are absolutely amazing. And you're like, dude, this is gonna be one of the best classes. I cannot wait for them to be seniors, but moving them through. There also might come in and you might be like, there's like two or three kids that are, they already get it. And the rest of them are so squirrely and they don't, they don't understand what it actually means to follow Jesus. They know the Bible stories They like, I can tell they're not really surrendered. They're not leaders yet. So what I'm, so you could be like, I'm going to, I'm going to put in four, I'm going to plan for four groups by the end of this year in sixth grade, because these kids are so prepared to go reach their school that I think they're like, not only do we need two, we need to split again at Christmas or, or, or by, by next spring. Or you're like, we're not going to double this group till they're seventh or eighth graders, but we're going to go deep this year. And because of where they're at, so I'm going to, I'm typically with high school, but I'm going to go sit with them for the next year because I want to cultivate them because like there's this opportunity. So it's all this like feeling out. And then like you're training people to go, to go, maybe they, these volunteers will go handle the high school while you're investing. It's just seeing what is available to you and where you could be uniquely used and where you can train other people to, to let them lose in ministry. And it's never the same. And I think that that's the best part about infrastructure is that you don't, it's not like infrastructure of roads, or I guess it is like infrastructure of roads. You build these roads and then sometimes like there's no more traffic on it and you actually need to build these inter, interchanges over here and other, other highways. It's like, that's the way that it was growing, but now it's not. And so we need to to move and do this other thing. And I think that that's having that nimbleness, but understanding roads don't build themselves. You've got to pay attention and you can't just always drive on the roads that you've always driven on. You've got to go back and every year be looking at what you've got, what God's giving you and how you could best use your time and set up systems and structures to actually move kids to following Jesus and then reaching their friends and what sort of phase they're in and what sort of phase the ministry then is going to be in. Yeah. And I mean, that's really, really good. And it's all process and preparation and everything. You have to go through all the steps and there's sometimes that you might think you have everything going and you might have this planned out to where these kids are going to do this and this and this, and then it doesn't work. And you're (laughs) like, Oh, you need to have backup plans. You need to have contingencies. What if I'm expecting these 13 sixth graders and we start two groups and five show up? Like, what if like the 13 that are the regular kids, regular means once a month? Right. Like there's so many different contingencies and so many different things that you have to kind of talk through. Um, That's why you really need people to bounce infrastructure off of. Most of the time, and I'm sure you'd agree, most of the time it needs to be your leaders because they're the ones in the trenches with you. Um, and so they're going to be the ones that are like, oh, yeah, I could see that working or no, man, where have you been? <laughs> like, this is not going to work at all. And then also be in touch with your children's ministry. Like your children's pastors should be your best friends because they are ultimately the ones that are raising kids that are going to um, 
come up into your program. And so you need to be pouring into them and helping them with their systems just as much as you're helping, like they're helping with your systems. Yeah. Um, just for the sake of scope and sequence. I mean, it's not really a term that we use much in youth ministry, but for the education and teaching world, like that's everything. We need to know what they know by what age and how they teach it and all this stuff because it ultimately helps us. Right. You're, you're creating these different experiences. And I do remember the, uh, like, the, the one of the super frustrating things about youth ministry, and we'll just identify with every listener right now, is that the youth ministry gets blamed for everything. If kids don't transition out of children's ministry into youth ministry well, it is 100% the youth pastor's fault. And if kids don't transition out of youth ministry into an adult ministry well, it's 100% the youth minister's fault. And so I used to hate it and fight against it until I was just like, never mind, I'm going to own it. I'm going to own the transition on both sides. We're going to do everything we can to get the sixth graders into our ministry in a way that makes sense for this group of sixth graders. And we're going to do everything we can to get the seniors, juniors and seniors that are moving out to be fully prepared for what it means means to engage in ministry and go to church and and whether they're at a Christian university in the in the workforce if they're at a secular university wherever they are they're fully prepared like and I'm just gonna own it on both sides I used to just get so mad that I would get blamed for it and then realize actually it's a gift and a responsibility that we actually just get to we get to create these paths and stop being upset that people are upset at me (laughs) yes 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 and no good stuff and so kind of continuing this whole realm, how do you, um, obviously one of the big things with infrastructure, like you said earlier, is the need for volunteers. Um, for someone that does not have volunteers in place or someone, for someone that doesn't have the required number for the infrastructure they're hoping for or planning for, how would you recommend they go about like building that volunteer base? Yeah. So there's for sure you've got, um, uh, so like you said, there's every ministry has a, a total amount of kids and then a regular amount of kids. So if you're running 20 kids every Wednesday night, you probably have 35 to 40 kids in your ministry, depending on where you're at. There's, there's like a, there's a total number that would this, they call it their home church, but then there's the number that actually show up on any given week. Um, When there's special events, typically you'll get more people. So one of the great ways to onboard new volunteers is to special events because you are almost guaranteed more students to come to that. So we would do like trampoline park or ultimate frisbee or paintball or whatever the things are that that are that that are cool in your in your area where you can generate some sort of an event. Um, and then and we would, but what we would do is get volunteers to help out with these events. And I would recruit actively from the church all the time. Just talk, like my my uh, qualifications were you have to love Jesus and you have to give a crap about teenagers. And I don't know if you're allowed to say give a crap about teenagers, but that was how I was. That's fine. would put it. And also, if uh, if they couldn't handle the term, give a crap about teenagers, they probably shouldn't be hanging out with teenagers. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, uh, um, 
So, uh, and so and I'm just constantly be looking for those people. Um, there are, there are parents that were hundred percent in that camp. And there were other parents where it's like, these guys were really good at being parents of little kids and they're not great at being parents of teenagers and they need to not be the, the volunteers. Uh, and so trying to help figure, figure out who, who God has just helped gather in your church and then always be looking for new people there. And then what I would do is as I would recruit them, the number one thing I would do is learn who these people are, meet with them, ask about what God is doing in their life, the way that God has uniquely equipped them, and then try to help them figure out where they fit in ministry period. Because we're on a team with the student ministry or with the kids ministry, with the adult ministry, with the worship ministry. We're, we're on a team with all of them. We're not in a silo. We have so so embrace that. So if I'm finding a volunteer and I sit down with, with Lisa, I sat down with Lisa and we, we talked through what her work schedule looks like and how she wants to be involved. But it ends up that she's not actually it's not going to be a good place for her to be in student ministry. I'm finding a volunteer for somebody else. And once you start doing that in your church, you're helping everybody get involved and get off the the pews on Sunday mornings and actually get their hands dirty doing something. And you recognize that like other people are going to send me people. I'm going to, it's just who, who can we connect with? We're all on the same team. And and if, if we realize at the end of this, but I would always sign people up for, I would try to sign up for a special event and then ask them to commit six weeks. That's it. Let's do six weeks and then we'll just reevaluate. And then it's no harm, no foul. Like if you want to go serve somewhere else, go serve somewhere else. But I'm just looking for six weeks to commit. And then, and we're going to, we're going to evaluate it after that. And during that time, I'm doing everything I can to make sure that they have everything they need to succeed in ministry. So I, like part of that is shoring up my systems and making sure that they actually have the information and the support that they need. If they don't, and I step in and rescue them over and over and over again, that's a problem with my system. I'm not training them and I'm not releasing them in a ministry. Instead, I'm just having them be a receptionist. And now I have to like, do all the work. That's not a volunteer. It should be the other way around where it's like, we're the receptionists and we're actually empowering them to, to engage with every student that, that they can, that's on their caseload isn't the right word, but like an assignment of like, these are the types of kids that you're going to deal with sixth grade girls or whatever it is. Um, and then, and then do everything that you can to get them what they need. This is typically like a weekly check-in at the beginning of just like, you can't just set it and forget it. It's like, uh, what asking them the question of like, what can I, what would I, can I do that would make it better for you as you're learning how to be a minister to sixth grade girls? And if you ask that on Thursday in an email, thank you so much for coming last night. I just wanted to check in, like I've been praying for you today and I wanted to know if there's anything that I can do to support you. And like, if you do that every single week at following up, you're going to learn so much about where your systems lack and how you can support other people. And they're go like, you're going to create some lifelong volunteers that are absolutely in love with serving with you because you're serving with them. You're and you're serving them. And if you can't do that, then you're going to have constant churn and it's going to be really difficult. So uh, those are the types of questions that I would ask and I would find what works for you, but definitely have like an onboarding where people can jump in and maybe try like we did, car drivers like and we did a training for car drivers and we're going to go to a go go to a ski snowboard trip we need some parents to to drive up these are the rules for this is what it means to be a car driver in our ministry um and 
try to go over that because it's hard. It's really hard for a parent to have six or seven youth in their car and you're trying to manage conversations, what's getting passed around on phones. Like you have no idea what's going on back there. And if you're a first time volunteer, it's super stressful. So uh, just, just trying to figure out those ways that you can get them onboarded quickly, get them a quick win, see if it's a great fit for them, and then do everything you can to support them uh, in learning what it means to use their gifts that God's given them to reach kids in, in your ministry. Yeah, and I, I would tag two things onto that. First off, I think we fall into a lie a lot of times that volunteers have to be teaching kids. Um, there are so many different things that volunteers can do, and it might not even ever touch like the realm of being in charge of children and teaching them um you have depending on the church that you're in you might do youth meals you might have uh, vans that pick up kids after school you might have um parties activities you might have sporting events um stuff like that there's so many things that volunteers can opt in for um at least in my perspective and my understanding the way that i have been the most successful with Um, recruiting volunteers is have your volunteers do the recruiting. Mm. The ones that are already bought into the program will be the best public relations you can ever buy because they're already hooked into the system. And so when, when they say, this is my favorite part of the week, I love being here. I love being with these students. You should come join me in like, this is literally my favorite thing I do all week. Like that is that's like, man, I know you like that's, that's, that's saying something. If this is like the favorite part of your week. And so like when you have volunteers that are invested in that um, realm and in that opportunity, it's something that is really, really powerful and impactful. And in fact, in my last youth ministry, not the one I'm in currently, but the previous one, I started with really two volunteers and five kids Um, and I grew the volunteer or I didn't grow anything to be honest. My volunteers actually grew the volunteer base from two to 10. And we went and every single Wednesday, they were committed to being upstairs and being a part of the ministry. They were all co-teaching in small groups. And like, it was, none of it was me. It was the two volunteers that I started with. They got invested in the system. They got invested in the lives of the kids and then I let them loose and they did all of the marketing for me. Like, it, so, it, which begs the question, if you have volunteers that don't want to recruit other people, you've got an oh, issue. Man. You know what I mean? Cause like, I, and that's yeah. where you can go and say like, Hey, like you could go and be like, Hey, why don't you want, it's like, honestly, it's, it's too difficult. I feel unsupported. I would never invite somebody else in. It's like when you work that job and you're like, trust me, I don't like, you don't want to apply here. Like you, if you have volunteers that are saying that the problem isn't with the volunteers, it's with the ministry. It's with what you're doing. And like that look in the mirror of like, if no one is excited about getting other people into the ministry, they're not supported. They're being, they're being used and they're not finding a place where they get to grow and what God's called them to do, which that's a check on you of like, how can you, that's where you're, you're not, you haven't become a leader of leaders. Yeah. And so you've got to like, in order for, to let people lead and you got to clear, be clear in the path out in front of them that they have enough room to run, but you can't just be like, hey, I'm just going to give you tasks to do. Like, that's not, that's yeah. not leadership. So internal yeah. audit of the century right there. Yes, like, right. You have to have those checks and balances with yourself because if you are in that situation, 
you got to change. It's not the, the, it's not the volunteers. It's not the kids. Like you are not leading in the way that you need to be leading. And so you need to have that internal audit of being able to say, Hey, this isn't working. We need to restart this from the ground up. Or like you said, with the IBM guys or whatever company yeah. it was that I need to, I need to fire myself and I need a fresh perspective looking into this and start over from scratch because this is not working. And I think realistically, the, um, the, one of the last podcasts I had recorded um, was Luke Gajeri and he brought up a pretty close to the same point. He was like, dude, we blow up our, our structure and our plan for services. We blow it up approximately every six months. He was like, we change almost everything we do every six months because it helps us navigate how growth is happening. But then also kids are so invested in things changing. And he brought up the fact of like, he was like, you know, Fortnite is one of the biggest games in the world right now. And he was like, I genuinely believe it's because so much stuff changes in the game that it's never the same game. He was like, they add stuff, they take away stuff, they change maps, they change characters, they change guns, whatever. Like all this different stuff's happening and kids get hooked into it, but it's also a great opportunity for you to kind of just throw in the audit of, hey, I need to take a step back. I need to see what's working, checks and balances on ministry and what's not. And then the stuff that's not working, throw it out. And that's part of infrastructure is if you got weeds, you have to get rid of them. So things that aren't working, you really, really need to handle and kind of knock them out of the system so you can keep growing. I mean, think of like it's it is the saddest thing. Every youth ministry uh, pastor, leader, you know, that feeling of like, oh, shoot, what if I'm the lid on this thing? What if there are teens in this town that are ripe for the harvest that need that want that could follow Jesus starting today. And this thing could explode and I'm the lid on it. Oh, it's like, that's why you have to, you have to be willing to, to look internally and say, you know, at, in any stage, at some point, we're going to be the lid. You're going to be the lid. And that's why, that's why we have to be committed to growing to humility, to understanding that we don't have it figured out because like I, I work a marketing job right now. And it's so interesting to like, so when you work a marketing job, you have this ridiculous attention that you have to pay to what's happening in the market. You can't just be like, okay, this is the thing that I'm trying to market. You have to look at what's shifting in the market. And I think that that's what we're talking about is like, what is going on in teens' lives? Because it's different than it was five years ago. It's different than it was 10 years ago. It's different than it was five months ago. <laughs> like it's, it's happening. The shift is happening so fast in these kids lives and depending on your context it like it could be like if you're changing context if you know how to do youth ministry in this town it could be completely different in another town you have no idea until you go and pay attention to what's happening in youth culture um that's like this is our these are our mars hill moments where you get to step in and see what's happening here and then you can actually speak into that but understanding that you have to change the way that you talk, the way that you do things so that it addresses the current culture and language that's being spoken and not just saying, well, if you guys want to follow Jesus, come in and do it my way. We, we are the missionaries that change and adapt to help reach other people. And it's, it's difficult, but it's so necessary. And I, I would just, uh, if you in any way feel like you might be the lid, it's okay pause, take inventory, 
ask for help from mentors, like reach out to podcast hosts or friends online, other people that have gone before you and say, I think I'm the lid. And I think God wants to do something in me to expand my capacity so that these teens don't miss their opportunity to follow Jesus. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I totally agree. And the other thing with that is at any given point in your ministry, you need two to three people that will be honest with you. Mm. Like straight up, they're not going to say, oh, everything's great. It's magical. Like you're doing such a great job. You're such a great youth pastor, kind of thing like that. You don't need yes people. You need people that will say, you know, honestly, last Wednesday was probably the worst you've ever done. Like you need people that are honest because if you don't have honesty around you, how do you grow? How do you know when you've done, like, how do you know when there's room to improve? How do you know when you knock something out of the park? Because when people are saying, yes, you're awesome at every single thing you do, there's really no significance to when they say yes to things you actually did great. So have people that will be honest around you. And that's where your checks and balances system comes from. You need volunteers that will be like, you know, I think you were pretty lazy in this. Like you could have done a lot better or, hey, like this was honestly the best thing you've done. Like you had so much involvement. The kids were raving about it, whatever. Like you need to have those people in your lives that'll speak honesty and speak truth into whatever situation you're in. And that will ultimately help you bring growth as well, because that's part of your infrastructure right there is having people that will be honest with you, that will help you in the assessment of how your group is growing and how y'all are doing with the change. Yeah. Creating that system too, of saying like, I had a guy named Mike and I, it was so hard for me to believe that he had my best interests at heart. He had two daughters in the ministry. And every time he came to me, he had a problem with something. And finally, I realized like, man, this guy is an asset, not a liability. Because I was like ducking out of the way. If I saw him coming, I'm like, I don't even want to hear what he says. And I realized he always told me the truth. He always told me the truth. And so I was like, listen, I want you to come. I want you to come on Wednesday nights. I want you to be involved. And he was the guy that I was like, I don't want him to be involved because he's going to judge me so hard. But what happened was this. I was like, I, I want you to tell me and help me get better at preaching at the way that I talk to people, the way I talk to parents, all this stuff. And I want you to send it to me on Friday. Not like Thursday, I've got a hangover. Friday, I'm starting to think about next week. Like, so like, don't tell me right after. Like I had to create a system where it's like, I want you to cut me off at the knees if that's what I need, but not right when I finish. Like, just give me 48 hours, you know? And it was like, and he did. And he would, and he'd be like, Hey, here's the notes. I'm not going to send it till Friday. And and I'm here for you. And he totally believed in me, but it was like, man, I was so scared as a young, as a young youth pastor to get that negative criticism. I just heard a podcast the other day about an edit, uh, some author that sent off her first book. And when it came back, it was all marked up in red. And she was like, I can't handle this. And so she told her editor, like, can you just mark it up in another color? And so he, the editor the next time came back and marked it all up in green. And she's like, now when I see all of the criticism, I see it as growth, not as like cutting me up. And it was like, just the simple thing of like, you got to change your mindset on the way that you hear this stuff. And, but creating systems, like, this is what works for me. And if I'm, you guys know, like you're, you get into this weird Holy Spirit hangover state where it's like, you're super vulnerable right after a really big event or Wednesday night or whatever. And it's like, you can think a lot clearer and hear constructive criticism at other times. And so when that works for you, say, Hey, dish it, 
take like I want I want to grow. Just don't do it when I'm feeling extremely vulnerable uh, uh, right after some of these events. At least yeah, that's and, what it was for me. Well, and nobody wants to nobody wants to get through with an evening where you think you did great, and then like the leader walks up and says, "Dude." what did you do? Like, then you never turn off. Like, you don't have the availability to like leave and go home to your family and call it a night because you're dwelling on that for the rest of the night. If not Thursday during your ministry hangover day too. Or right right before they'll show up right before me. Like, Hey, I I was meaning to tell you this about last week as they're like dropping off their kids. And you're like, are you kidding me? Like, I've like, I'm, I feel like I didn't prepare enough. Like you have all these things going on in your head and then like they just drop these bombs on you. And it's like, if you just create a system where you're like, I want to hear this just this other time. Yeah. I do think that people really are well-meaning and they want to help you, but it's creating a system where that, that's a, that feedback gets to you in a way that you can process it in a healthy way. And this is completely off topic, but it kind of fits with this conversation as well. Um, this is just a two cents piece, like learn from one of my young youth ministry experience mess ups for the love. If you respect your pastor, treat him the same way. Yes. Know when he's about to do something, don't drop <laughs> bombs on him right. right before he goes up on Sunday morning. Like I did. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, in my younger days of youth ministry, I was really, really nervous because I had accepted another job and like uh, an hour before he went on to preach Sunday morning, I went and told him that I was leaving. And now I look back, I've apologized to that man probably 17 times since I left. But it's one of those things, like if you want people to respect you, you got to make sure that you're thinking about respecting yeah. in the same manner when you're yeah. doing things for your leadership as well. And yeah. so, yeah, super, super important. But like, don't be that guy. Don't be me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those things. Hopefully you can learn from my mistakes. Um, but yeah, make sure that like there's a time and a place for everything. Say like edifying comments that are like encouraging and uplifting. That's great right before or right after. But like, yeah. don't don't throw the bad news. Don't lump coal right before they do something you don't want it either so just kind of be mindful of that as well um so outside of this conversation and we've talked a lot we've talked about structures and volunteers and um teaching strategies and everything like that outside of this conversation where can they go to get help as far as this topic arises yeah uh so one of the best things that i did um was I, i mean there's so many there are tons of youth ministry resources out there. Uh, but one of the things that I did was I uh, leaned into any sort of church management period. So like when you're looking at or nonprofit uh, uh, development. So when you're looking at the um, at youth ministry, if you can start to see your youth ministry as just a church within a church, that's all that it is. It's not... Um, you, you've got to develop all the same systems. If you're going to go beyond just a parent, I, I, I don't want to say it that way. I love parents that help out, especially in churches where there's no, where they can't hire youth pastors. So I don't want to say just a parent that, that's helping out, but like you're too strapped. If you're, if you are a parent that's helping out, there's no way that you have enough time. 
anybody that's actually done youth ministry knows there's not enough hours in a week and everybody will be like, you only work on Wednesday. So I don't even understand what you do, which is a total lie, but like, there's never enough hours in a week. And so, um, the, uh, I would look at what, what people did to create church structures that would help them. And so one of the great places to look is church planting because church planting typically starts very small and helps you learn how to grow what it, what it means to have a board. Like I actually got a student ministry leadership team, which was the board of my student ministry team. Like there's no reason for it. I didn't have to do it, but it was like, this is what a small church does to grow to the next stage. So it's like, I've got all these ideas on what we can do. And they were like, if it doesn't work in a school year with the system, I can't even, I don't even have time to look at this as board members. So it forced me to actually think through strategically, what are we going to do for the next year? What, what does the ministry plan look like? Who am I accountable to? How am I planning this stuff out? Uh, when stuff goes wrong, how do we debrief that? How do we reassess? Like, this is all stuff that church planters have to do all the time. And it allowed me to apply that to youth ministry. The other thing is just go talk to people that have done this before. Like, Admit that you don't know. Ask people to help you. There are so many guys that are willing to, to just sit, and, and women, but men and women that are willing to just sit with you and say, hey, this is, have you thought about this? Because you don't necessarily need a 10-step plan. But if you could get one thing that will help you in the next month to grow, and you could do that 12 times a year, over three years, you're going you're gonna to be so far down the road um, that ev- the kids in your ministry, the parents, the people at your coworkers, everybody in town is going to be so excited because you're willing to be humble enough to say, I need to learn something in the next four weeks, you know, and, and, and be able to apply that and see how that goes. So those are the things that I did. Uh, I, I would recommend, yeah, learn everything that you can. And, but the other thing, the other side of it is don't get addicted to learning and implement it. Like, don't be afraid to fail. Just implement it. Just put it in, just put it into practice. Um, failure is, Every, every great enterprise is just a whole bunch of failures that they, people just kept going. Like, don't be afraid to fail. Just keep trying. Just keep trying. Just keep trying all kinds of new things, whatever, whatever can move, move stuff forward. So that, that's what I would suggest. Yeah. And so one more time, do you mind um, referencing that um, Tim Keller? Article? Yes. Again. It's called church size dynamics. I'll send you the PDF if you want to put it in the uh, show notes, but it, okay. it, you can just, just look it up. Church size dynamics. It's a free PDF that's been out. I mean, I've probably marked that, highlighted that up um, way too many times uh, it, uh, over the years um, and, and shared it with a lot of people. And there's a lot of things in there that you can process to understand um, also how you fit in your size of your church. And I think that that's a great thing about youth ministry as well, is that you do get to lead up in a way that when you learn this type of stuff about how churches work in general, um, I love youth pastors that are willing to stay in youth ministry all the way through their whole life. And, but one of the things that I would love to see more of is those, those youth pastors investing more in the overall infrastructure of the church just because you're not using it as a stepping stone which if you do go into youth ministry and go into something else there's there's no i don't have any problems with that either but for people that are in youth ministry all the time to learn the way the overall system is structured and and is able to grow and is able to flex in a way that's that's um really valuable for your community to serve your community 
And then understanding where you fit inside of that, that's absolutely enormous. I mean, when, you, when, you, uh, when you're wanting more of a budget and you understand the way that the whole budgeting process works and the way the giving campaign is and all this other stuff, and you're just not, ask, you're just not the guys that's knocking on the door asking, like, I'm tired of doing fundraisers, but you actually understand and you feed into the whole system on stewardship and all this stuff. And you're helping like that, you, the whole system gets better when you learn and, and then you can apply that in your own ministry as well. So I, I would just, I would, I would challenge you to just learn as much as you can about how this stuff works. When I learned stuff about the nonprofit world and the way that nonprofits work, it helped me understand the way the church fits in the churches in America. Anyway, the church is a, is a type of nonprofit, but there are other ways that there are all these different models of how nonprofits work and what it means to have donor retention and, and what it means to uh, have donors be updated on the information that, that comes into, and then the ways that these things get funded, because you can never fund the mission with the mission. That's the whole thing with nonprofits is that the mission doesn't fund itself. People don't pay a flat rate to go to church. <laughs> Like that's not the way that it works. You can't fund the mission with the mission. You have to find funding sources out of all this. And a lot of those people that believe in it and are willing to give on top of tithes, they're willing to, to give sacrificially because they believe in the whole thing. Well, that's vision. That's talking about the wins that you've had. That's talking about the stuff that you've learned. And if you can do that in youth ministry in a way that helps the whole church, you're going to be an asset. You're going to be a linchpin in that place that nobody ever wants to leave because you've helped the whole thing get better. So I would say just don't stop learning. There's so much to learn about at, about how it all works. And um, and and then, and then it also expands everybody's opinion of you that you're not just the guy that's trying to figure out how to use a minute to win a game inside of it or whatever. You know, it's like, no, this like, you you really believe in the whole thing, and uh, um, so I just encourage you: just go deep and uh, and 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 seek mentors in any way that you can to to learn about just how this stuff works, because it's absolutely fascinating uh, to learn the whole systems and structures of, of just what happens. That's awesome! Yeah, great stuff. Um, so as we're closing up, the great topic, uh, great conversation, and. Um, Definitely, we want to hear any questions or comments that you guys have. Um, please um, share this uh, episode, um, put it on social media, uh, tell us what you think in comments on social media, etc. But Kurt, um, how can people connect with you on social media? Um, do you have any shameless plugs? I told you that you might yeah. throw MinHub back in at the yeah. end of this. And so, so how yes. can we reach you? So I'm I think I'm Kurt Libby everywhere. I might be Kurt.Libby depending on where you're at, but you could probably find me. Uh, KurtLibby.com also. Um, so uh, shameless plugs. So yes, youth ministry app is called MinHub. You can get it on iOS or Android. Um, it works. You, I think it's five bucks and you it'll work on your device forever. No extra fees. If you're at the point where you've got leaders and you want to sync a bunch of devices, it's eight bucks a month to get uh, or 80 bucks a year to get all your leaders on the same database where you can capture ministry moments. You can do, a, there's an academy feature in there where you can create ministry trainings. You can do the whole planning center thing. You can do actually you're in it where you actually plan all your events and, and create those plans for everybody. Um, so there's, there's a ton of capabilities in there. Um, the other thing, this is my other shameless plug is that this is, I'm not sure when this podcast is coming out, but I'm actually been working on another app uh, that is going to be out this summer. It's starting on iOS only, but it's called Hunt Mob and it is a photo scavenger hunt app. And uh, it's going to be super fun. 
I think that uh, uh, we always did those in youth ministry. And so it's something that is COVID safe because you can actually have teams or people that are separate from each other, but actually do a hunt where they're all together. So it starts at a certain time and then, and then you get a code and everybody joins the hunt and, and it's a, uh, it's like free for up to 12 teams. And then you can pay, it's like five bucks to go to 25. It's like, you can pay for a hunt. Anyway, that's coming out this summer. I'm working on that with some friends and my daughter uh, as well. So um, that's my, uh, one of the things I've been doing in quarantine is a photo scavenger hunt app. So I just want to work on something that's super fun. And uh, because I've been very depressed in the last year and I wanted to work on something that was fun. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, no. That's, that's totally good. And just yeah. so people know, um, we are recording this at the end of April, but this podcast will be coming out June 15th. Okay. Um, yeah. So, the, so it'll, it'll the, be out by then, for the sure. The app will yeah. be out by then, so yeah. definitely yeah. go check it out on yeah. um, your app store. And I definitely will be downloading it because I'm always fascinated with apps. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah. Once again, Kurt, thank you so much for joining us. And Kurt's probably going to be a return guest in the future as uh, um, we do want to definitely have returning guests that have things to speak on. And uh, Kurt has experience in a lot of different fields and we're going to have him back on the show later. Um, So we will see you when you get back on. But thanks for this conversation and for everybody else that's listening. Thank you all for listening Um, please like share subscribe anything that you can do to help out our podcast we love you guys and um, we'll catch you on clubhouse or other social media as we can we'll see you later wow that was great Um, hey thanks everyone for joining us today we hope that you were encouraged and inspired by this week's episode uh, and that you found some tools that you can use as you continue to pour into the lives of your students Yeah, if you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, we would ask that you leave a comment and a rating on whatever platform you're listening to us on. We'd appreciate that so much because it helps us be seen and be heard. And then also gets more youth pastors out there the opportunity to hopefully um, jump in on the conversation. And who knows, maybe you or someone else will join us for Um, being the guest speaker on our podcast one day. um, And we'd love for that to happen as well. Also, um, you might know someone who would benefit from this conversation. Um, So if you wouldn't mind, take a moment and share this on social media and tag them. Um, And then also tag us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Talk Student Men. Um, And be sure to just kind of include them in the conversation. Um, So, Russell, you have next week's episode. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, next week was an honor to sit down and talk with Brock Morgan. And if you don't know Brock Morgan, um, he he is an author, he is a speaker, he's been at youth specialties and conferences uh, all over the place. And um, he has been in youth ministry for a long time. And um, he talks about the future of youth ministry and and, uh, how prayer is important as we prepare for Uh, the youth ministry that's coming and what's going to happen in the next 10 years or what could possibly happen in the next 10 or so years uh, and how we can prepare now to get ready for that. So it was a great conversation, just a joy to sit down. We kind of go all over the place, but um, that's what we we settled in on is uh, the future of youth ministry. And here's a clip from that episode. I discovered about 10 years ago that our youth ministry did announcements longer than we prayed at youth group. And I was so convicted by that. Oh my gosh, like we've got to 
to make prayer a, like a thing that like if we're not teaching kids how to talk with God, what the heck are we doing? And so I, uh, I started actually teaching kids how to pray. And then I started teaching them how to pray for their friends. And then I started having them up front where kids could come to their, to these kids, like these kids are staying up front at the end of my talk and they could come and get prayed for by their peers. And it got to the point where our youth group was like mad at me if we didn't end where they could pray for each other. And they're just so open to this stuff, but we're so stuck in kind of our old youth ministry models. Um, and so we decided to make prayer king. Man, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, just a reminder, be sure to go to studentministryconversations.org for show notes and links from this episode and all of our episodes. Uh, just search for this week's episode in the search bar. And then we also have other helpful articles and previous episodes of our podcast on there that you are more than welcome to go um, take a look at and listen to. Again, we thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next week.